Thank you for joining us today. For more information about the church, campus locations, service times, and more, visit ecoegt.com. Also, stay in touch with us on social media by liking us on Facebook and following us on Instagram, at ecoegt. Now let's repair our hearts as we go into the message. Good morning, and welcome to week two of Family Month. I am always excited to be able to co-preach and team tag team, and, and uh, during this time, we've been doing this for about 15 years, and the month of June has been a time where we uh, take and we team preach, and so I'm excited for us to be able to share. Um, Family Month has always been something that's been on our hearts because how important the family unit is. And in a a few weeks, we're going to be celebrating our 31st wedding anniversary. Yep. We have three amazing children that are serving the Lord. Babe, we, we, were, we were just babies when we got married. We were babies when we got married. What were we thinking? I don't know. Um, but it's been wonderful, you know, and it's been a journey for sure. And so we take Family Month and we try to share key strategies that it takes to live um, a godly family and to be able to make it through the ups and the downs because we know that journeys definitely have ups and downs. And um, and just to share keys of that journey of life that, that we go on. So, um, and it's always a time that I get to make my husband very nervous because he never knows what I'm going to say. And I might torment him a little bit during the week about, ooh, I think I might say this and that. And he's like, babe. <laughs> so I'll, I'll be good. Um, but we're going to start off. I get to start off with a few funnies today. So um, I hope you enjoy them as much as I have. Uh, so our first is there was a son and he was talking to his father and he says, what's the difference between love and marriage? And the dad looks at his son and says, well, love is blind and marriage is the eye opener. Now, I thought this one was funny. First service kind of didn't find the same humor in it as I did. But there was a son, and he wanted to know what it was like to be married. So the mom just said, leave me alone. And when he did, she looked at him and said, why are you ignoring me? <laughs> right? Give, get mixed signals sometimes. Okay, okay. A wife says to her husband, do you want dinner? And he says, sure, what are my choices? She said, "Uh, yes or no. (laughs) A son says, dad, I've heard that in some parts of the world, a man doesn't know his wife until he gets married to her. And the father says, son, that's everywhere. (laughs) This one might be my absolute favorite. A woman notices her husband in the bathroom standing on the bathroom scale. He's sucking in his stomach. She laughs and says, that's not going to help you. Sure it does, he says. It's the only way I can see the numbers. (laughs) That's funny. (laughs) We will not have a show of hands to see if anyone has ever had that happen in their bathroom. You skinny folk, y'all be quiet. (laughs) But we do know that 
there are so many challenges, seriously, that face our families in this day and age. And it doesn't matter if you live in a single parent home or if you're in a blended family or if you're in a traditional family. We know that there are great challenges that face us and we need help and guidance to be able to conquer all of those places in our journeys uh, as a family. Now, today is um, Pentecost Sunday, and we specifically want to talk about the Holy Spirit. And the title of our sermon today is A Family of the Spirit. Now, Pentecost Sunday is a day, it's just a day that we recognize and we celebrate the outpouring of the Holy Spirit upon the early believers in, in Christ. And we are uh, taking time to recognize this is like really where the church birthed out of and where there was power and anointing that was given to the church. The disciples at this time, you can think they were really changed during this um, time frame. Because when we think about the disciples, just a few days prior, the disciples were fleeing, they were running, they were hiding. And when they were endued with the power of God from on high on the day of Pentecost, they, we see them in a whole new way. We see they're standing, they're declaring, they're speaking forth the word of the living God. They were changed by the experience that took place on Pentecost Sunday. We see that the followers of Christ were equipped to service. And today we're going to talk about, we're going to speak about the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives, in our families' lives, and the baptism of the Holy Spirit and how it will equip our families to be all that we've been called to be. So the first thing that we want to do is really talk about some foundations of, uh, of, of the Holy Spirit. The first is this, write this on number one, the Holy Spirit is a person. The Holy Spirit is a person. We serve one God. He has manifested himself through God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And I think it's very important for us to understand some things. You often hear people refer to the Holy Spirit as it, or the force, or a force, or the energy that's in the room. And these are misrepresentations of the third person of the Trinity, of God the Holy Spirit. And it's imperative that you understand, that we understand that the Holy Spirit is a person and we must learn to treat him as such. And as we do treat him as a person, we will learn to appreciate his work in our life, appreciate his work in our family and in our marriage. Now, real quick, I want you to notice some distinguishing marks of the personhood of the Holy Spirit, how, why we refer to him as a person. Write this under A. The Spirit has a will, just like you. You have a will. Your decisions are made out of your will. The Holy Spirit makes decisions. The Holy Spirit has a will, and uh, he makes choices and decisions. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 11. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 11, listen to what it says. It is the one and only Spirit, capital S, 
who distributes all these gifts, he alone decides, makes a choice, which gift each person should have. So the King James puts it like this, dividing to every man severally as he will. As I stated, our decisions are made in what we call the will of man. The Holy Spirit has a will and he makes decisions. Your decisions are made in that part that we call the will of man. Now I want you to notice how the Holy Spirit influences our will. Real quick, look at Philippians chapter 2 verse 13. Philippians 2 verse 13, the King James says, For it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. It is God that worketh in you. How? Through the presence of the Holy Spirit. To will and to do how? By, through, through the tugging and the impressing of. And what we must learn to do is we must learn to yield to the work of the Holy Spirit. We must learn to give ear to what the Holy Spirit is saying. And we must surrender to the Holy Spirit's will. And as we surrender to the Holy Spirit's will, then our desires, desires for a healthy, happy marriage and healthy and happy relationships will become stronger. Because see, the Holy Spirit has come to bring you life. Jesus said to give you life and life more abundantly. So notice this, write this under B. The Holy Spirit can be grieved. The Holy Spirit has an, he has an emotion. He can be grieved. Ephesians chapter four, verse 30. It says, and do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. So our conduct, the way, the things that we do, the decisions that we make can, can, can grieve the Holy Spirit. Now, in order to be grieved, there has to be an emotion there. Now, if you can be grieved, bring sorrow, you can also bring pleasure. You can also, the opposite of that is true. So understand the person of the Holy Spirit. And I'm bringing this to you because I want you to develop and cultivate the, the working of the Holy Spirit in your life. As the person, the Holy Spirit, we can yield to him and we can be filled by him and we can live according to what God has laid out for us. Amen. So he can be grieved. Notice the word bring sorrow comes from a Greek word meaning to grieve, to be distressed, to cause to fear, so feel sorrow or unhappiness. It means to make sad or to vex. So what we take from this is he, the Holy Spirit, can be made to feel at home or not. So how we conduct our lives within our marriage, either, either we are making the Holy Spirit at home or we are grieving the Holy Spirit. Now, I want the blessings of God. So I want to learn how not to grieve the Holy Spirit. Now, it, has, it directly has to do with our conduct, with how we live. See, how we live is going to determine whether we are grieving the Holy Spirit or whether we are giving him full glory. Amen? And I want God to help me. Now, notice this. Notice this. And see, the Holy Spirit as a person, he can lead. He can guide. 
The Holy Spirit will lead and guide you. Listen to the words of Jesus in John chapter 16, verse 13. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. He will not speak on his own, but will tell you what he has heard, and he will tell you about the future. Now, now parents, this is powerful. This is a, a wonderful teaching. He will guide you into all truth. How many parents, you know, sometimes you need to know what the real truth is. Amen? He will tell you what he has heard. Important. The Holy Spirit will tell you what he has heard, and he will tell you about the future. Think about this, parent. We need all the truth. We need to know what he has heard in secret and in private, and we need to know what is to come, what is ahead. I'm reminded when Gary and I were dating and we were going through, um, we were talking with um, our youth, uh, a youth pastor at the time, and he said, because I came from a broken marriage, a, um, a family of divorce, that I probably wouldn't make it in a marriage. And, you know, sometimes you just want to kind of go, 31, drop the mic. <laughs> but it really made, you know, what we decided when we first got married was that we were going to live a life that was led by the Spirit. We were going to pursue that. It didn't mean that we always did it exactly the way that, that we needed to do it. We made mistakes in what we were doing, but we made that decision to be led by the Spirit. Point number two is the function of the Holy Spirit. The function of the Holy Spirit. The function or the work of the Holy Spirit is... First, to magnify Jesus, to magnify, or that is to make bigger, to bring into focus. And the Holy Spirit brings Jesus into focus, helps us be able to, to see what we're striving for in the direction that we're, we're going in. And Gary read um, verse 13 of John chapter 16, but let me read 14 and 15 to you. He will bring me glory by telling you whatever he receives from me. All that belongs to the Father is mine. This is why I said, the Spirit will tell you whatever he receives from me. The Holy Spirit is magnifying Jesus, magnifying Jesus in our lives. The second thing is the Word of God. I was reading a, a theologian, and he was was writing about the, the word of God and how the Holy Spirit plays a part when we're reading God's word. And I liked the, the wording. He said, the Holy Spirit's work of illumination is necessary. He illuminates as we're reading and he's bringing out. That's why sometimes we can read the same verse that we've read a hundred times before, but then one day it hits you in a brand new way and you have a new insight into how that, that is, is, um, pertains to your life. And it really, it brings it about so that we can be transformed by God's word, that we can then apply it to our lives and that we can be transformed as believers. The work or function of the Holy Spirit is also to convict, to convict. The Holy Spirit brings conviction, but it's not condemnation. The Holy Spirit isn't convicting us just to make us feel bad that, oh, you did that, pow, 
And so you'll feel bad. But it's really, it's to bring about a transformation within our lives. The Holy Spirit convicts us in order that it turns a person around, turns them towards God so that, listen to this, so that they can experience the fullness of God. It's all about him wanting us to have the fullness of life. And, and it, it, so that conviction brings us to change so that we can experience that fullness of Christ. We need the Holy Spirit. We need the Holy Spirit convicting us and within our families to show us things and to enlighten us in areas that says, you know, you need to change this in your family. If you change this in your family, you're going to be more fulfilled within your family. Not because I don't want you to have fun or I don't want you to do this, but I want you to be fulfilled in truly the way that you will be fulfilled. John 16, 8 through 11 says... And when he comes, he will convict the world of its sin and of God's righteousness and of the coming judgment. The world's sin is that it refuses to believe in me. Righteousness is available because I go to the Father and you will see me no more. Judgment will come because the ruler of this world has already been judged. I want you to notice three things in this passage here. First of all, sin. Sin is just the missing of the mark. God has set a standard for us to strive for, to reach for. And when we miss that, we miss the mark. It's called a sin. In archery, when you do that, it's called a sin. And so it's us missing the mark. The second thing I want you to realize is and see is righteousness. Righteousness that is right standing with God is available. We have available to us through Christ's sacrifice. That was enough. What he did on the cross was enough for us to have righteousness available for us to achieve. The third thing I want you to take notice of was, is judgment because judgment is coming judgment to those that have refused the righteousness of God. The good news here is that, that Jesus is our savior. Jesus is the one that has covered it all. If we go to him, another work of the Holy spirit is C to empower believers, empower believers. In Acts chapter 1, verse 8, it says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. He empowers us, and he empowers us in two ways. First, he empowers us for life. He empowers us for life. He empowers to be, to be my witnesses. We need power to be what God has called us to be. God has called you to a purpose in your life. And whatever that purpose is, he's going to give you what you need to succeed in that. So when the negative uh, committee meets in your head and you start hearing all of the, I can't do it. I don't have what it takes. I'm not equipped. I'm not strong enough. I'm not this. I'm not that. You need to shut the committee down and say, you know what? God here empowers me to be 
whatever it is that he's called me to be. He also has empowered us for service. The Holy Spirit can and will empower believers. He is helping us to accomplish the plan and the purpose that he has set for us here, for our families and our lives. He is, is helping us to be that husband and that father, that wife, that mother, that, that son, that daughter that he wants us to be. And he is giving us that so that we can serve. What we have to do is we need to be seeking the Holy Spirit, seeking to be filled with the Spirit so that we can have that power, seeking to have our families filled with the power of God. So we want you to understand that the Holy Spirit is a person. The Holy Spirit is there to magnify the life of Jesus in you. As a person, the Holy Spirit can be grieved or can be welcomed. The Holy Spirit wants to guide you and lead you. And the Holy Spirit is God's agent at work in your life. Christ has been exalted to the Father. The word tells us he sits at the right hand of the Father. Jesus said this, when I go to the Father, I will send you the comforter. I will send you the advocate, the Holy Spirit. And understand that we can yield to the Holy Spirit and we can allow him to, to have more operational, operative power in our life. And he's manifesting, as Christy said, the word of God in you. Understand the function of the Holy Spirit is to empower believers. Now, in the context of what we're talking about is we're talking about being healthy fathers, being healthy moms, being healthy parents, being healthy sons and daughters, being healthy, spirit-filled believers. Finally, let's talk the last few moments about the need for the power of the Holy Spirit in our life. The need for the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, we're not talking about salvation. We believe that the moment you accept, you confess your sins, you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, the Holy Spirit comes and abides and makes his, his home in your life, and you are a believer. You can never become any more saved than you are right now. You are as saved as you're ever going to be. However, you can become more transformed. You can become more like Jesus. You can, you can take on the characteristics of Christ, and that's the work of the Holy Spirit. But we also believe that there's a subsequent work to salvation, and it's called the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It's called where your life is filled to overflowing with the power and the anointing of God, and you can do exploits for the kingdom of God. We believe that when you're baptized in the Holy Spirit, that it's the doorway, it's, it's, the, it's the open door to the supernatural gifts of God. And church, we need the supernatural gifts working not only in our church, but our families. Amen? We need the supernatural gifts in the workplace, in the marketplace where you work. I, I, I heard one of my uh, friends, he's on, he's on Facebook and always, always saying funny things, Pastor Jim Rayleigh, and he said this, he says, some people teach and preach you need the Holy Spirit or the baptism of the Holy Spirit in order to go to heaven. He says, we don't believe that. You, you need the baptism of the Holy Spirit to go to Walmart, amen? <laughs> amen. Let's talk about the ability to live this Christian life, the ability for life and service. See, we must be a person, a family of the Spirit is characterized by hunger, by thirst, and by desire. 
Mom and dad, it's important that your children see a spiritual hunger and desire for more of God in you. I love this verse in Psalm 42, verse 1. Psalm 42, verse 1 says, As the deer longs for streams of water, so I long for you, O God. Verse 2, I thirst for God, the living God. Where can I go and stand before him? To successfully parent, we need a power and anointing beyond ourselves. And church, my prayer is this, is that your children will catch you seeking the presence of God. My prayer is that your children will see you, will stumble upon you when you're praying in the spirit. My hope is, is that your children will see a desire for the things of God, not just on Sunday, but Monday morning, not just in midweek service, but on the weekends. They'll catch you seeking the presence of God. We're talking about spirit-filled families. Listen to what Isaiah writes in Isaiah 44, verse 3 and 4. Prophesy and says, For I will pour out water to quench your thirst and irrigate your parched fields. I will pour out my spirit on your descendants and my blessing on your children. How many want blessing? How many want the blessing of God? How many? Listen, he says, upon your descendants, should the Lord tarry, you're going to have descendants. Now, Christian and I, it's the third generation with Eva and Gaston. Hear me. We're believing that the power of God's going to be poured out upon our grandchildren. And should the Lord tarry another 50 years upon our grandchildren's children, I believe the blessing of God can be poured out upon them. It says, I will pour my spirit out upon your descendants. Verse four, they will thrive like watered grass and like willows on a river, river bank. They will thrive. How many want your families to thrive? You're here today because, because you have an impressing. I want more of God. Hear me, that hunger is gonna help you thrive because the spirit of God is gonna be poured out Upon you, I want you to notice we we need the power of the Spirit of God. Write this under A to fill us, to fill us. We often refer to this as the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Christy read it earlier, but I want to read it again. Acts chapter one verse eight. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere. You shall receive power. You shall receive an anointing. You shall receive life giving. The Spirit of God is a life giving Spirit. He, listen, uh, Romans chapter 8, verse 2. There's a rhema word right here. The Spirit of the life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and death. There's a law working in your, in your natural body, there's a law working in the natural, in the natural realm. It's the law of death. But hear me, the spirit of life in Christ Jesus is now at work in you, producing life, producing an anointing, producing a power to be. So that's why we talk about the person of the Holy Spirit. We must understand that we can invite the Holy Spirit to be to take more charge in our life. And we, we can grieve the Holy Spirit by the way we talk and the way we, we conduct our lives the way we interact with our family members, the way we talk to our spouse, the way we talk to our children. We can grieve the Holy Spirit or we can welcome the Holy Spirit. 
Your words are powerful. Understand when we read earlier in Ephesians about don't bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way you conduct your life, by the way you live. And that includes by the way you talk. I am astounded sometimes of the speech and the words that come out of Christians' mouths and how we talk to one another or to our family members. We need the Spirit of God to fill us. Come on, somebody. Can you say amen? amen? Mom and dad, when our families see the power of God in us, when they, when they see us experience the anointing of God, this creates a hunger and thirst for them. I believe today that while my, my children are serving the Lord, one aspect of the reason they're serving the Lord is they saw the hunger within their mom and dad. They saw the hunger within their grandparents. They saw the hunger and the desire within, uh, within family members. And they said, we want that also. See, mom and dad, when, when, when God's spirit fills you and it creates a desire for more of God in you, your children will say, I want what they have. Wow. It's imperative. Not just experience the power of God at church, but we experience the power of God in our homes. That's why I said my prayer is your children will catch you praying. I, my, my, my hope is your children will see you read God's word. They'll see you and catch you praying together. And they'll walk into the room and they'll sense something different. They'll sense a, a presence. And we know that's the power of Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. Creates a stirring in their heart. Ephesians 5.18. A familiar verse to a lot. Don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. And the construction of that Greek is be ye being filled with the Holy Spirit. A continual every day be filled with the Holy Spirit. Verse 19, I want to bring your attention. Singing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs among yourselves. Making music to the Lord in your hearts. Give thanks for everything to God the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Notice verse 9. It's a picture of a happy person. I mean, they're singing. They're happy. They're, 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 they're lifting the name of Jesus. They're making music in their hearts. The Holy Spirit has the ability to change atmospheres. Did you hear me? The Holy Spirit has ability to change atmosphere. Who wants to be gloomy and filled with despair when you can be filled with the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit will change atmospheres. You say, Pastor, you don't know that man I live with. You don't know that woman I got to deal with. Oh, begin to sing to the Lord. Begin to ask the Lord to fill you. It'll change atmospheres. The Holy Spirit can change the atmosphere of your family. You say, oh, but, but there's so much confusion. There's so much conflict. Get into some good counseling. There's some healthy techniques you can learn. But also, listen, say, Holy Spirit, I need you to fill me. And not, and not just for it to be an emotional feeling, but, but it's gonna, you're going to fill me. It's going to change the way I talk, change the way I view, change the way I speak to my family, change the way I'm doing. And guess what's going to happen? The atmosphere is going to begin to change in your home. Can somebody say, thank you, Jesus? Now, write this, write this. Be to use us. We need the power of the Holy Spirit not only to fill us, but to use us. You need God, God's got to give. God wants to use you. God wants to use you in ministry in the corporate body, 
But hear me, the gifts are not just for the church. The gifts are for your home. The gifts are for your home. The gift is for the marketplace. The gift is for, for the workplace. The gift is for you to live out that God can work and move. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 7. I've got to hurry. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 7. A spiritual gift is given to each of us so we can help each other. To one person, the Spirit gives the ability to give good advice. To another, the same Spirit gives a message of special knowledge. The same Spirit gives great faith to another. Someone else, one Spirit gives the gift of healing. And, and then uh, the gift to perform miracles. And another, the gift of po- uh, the prophecy. And then he gives someone else the ability to discern whether a message is from God or, or another spirit. Still another person is given the ability to speak in tongues and, and, and other languages. While the other is given the ability to interpret what is being said. So these are what we refer to as the supernatural gifts of God. These are the supernatural gifts of God. Our children need to see the supernatural gifts of God in operation in our church. But may it not stop there. We need the gifts of the supernatural to operate in our homes, in our home life. Think about this. When you as a parent have knowledge of their behavior or activity, and they know the only way you can know that that knowledge and have that information is if God told you, then it changes the dynamics of parenting. Church, I am convinced The Holy Spirit will speak to you. The Holy Spirit will give you insight. The Holy Spirit will give you special knowledge concerning what your family is going through, and you will read your children's mail. There was more than one occasion I caught my children before they started to do something they wasn't supposed to do, and we had preventative conversations. Other times I caught them afterwards and then we really had a preventative conversation. It's called the belt. (laughs) That was good. (laughs) Some of us forgot what that is. There's a reason God gave an extra cushion where you sit. Amen. (laughs) Oh, don't go home and say, pastor said, beat my children. I never said that. Encourage them, discipline. You spare the rod, you spoil the child. Understanding the correct discipline for how your child is. Some respond talking to. Some respond putting in restraints. Some uh, respond through strong encouragement, if you know what I mean. I got to hurry. Notice this. There's several gifts I want to highlight, just a couple. The gift of wisdom. The supernatural gift of wisdom. This wisdom is not just earthly wisdom attained by the study of books or material. This wisdom comes from spending time in the presence of Jesus, communing with the Holy Spirit. Wisdom which reveals motives, the heart of the matter. Church, when we parent through the supernatural gifts, I'm telling you, your children will begin to toe the line. Because they'll say, "Mm, I don't know how it happened, but, but God talks to my mama. God talks to my daddy. It's almost if they know what I'm going to do before I do it. It's as if they're in that place where they wasn't supposed to be, but God just let them there. Hear me. It'll put godly fear in your children. How many know we need some godly fear back in our homes? Amen. We need some godly fear in the home once again. We need the word of knowledge is another one I want to highlight. What I have learned is the Holy Spirit will drop knowledge of certain things, things you need to know as a parent. 
This is a knowledge that your years or experience could not bring you, but it flows from spending time in the word in the presence of God. The word of knowledge. There, there's things that God will just drop in your spirit that right moment. There's conversations that, that, that he will allow to come your way. And it's all because of the supernatural gifts in your life. Another one is the spirit of discernment. It's the ability to distinguish between what, what is God and what is not. In church, if there's ever a time that we need the spirit of discernment, not only in the church, but in our family, it is in this 21st century. Because we're calling things that are God that have nothing to do with God. Did you hear me? We are accepting things and we say it's God and God has nothing to do with it. And what we've got to do is we've got to begin to operate in the spirit of discernment with our children as we raise them. And God would give you and help you to discern if they're lying to you or if they're not. If they're in the right place or they're in the wrong place. And God will, will bring people in your path that will help you determine those things. Isn't God good. See, we need to raise supernatural children. We believe in the supernatural gifts of God. And when they see the gifts of God operating in your life, they'll begin to want those things in their life. Finally, the last fill in the blank is this, to lead us. To lead us. Musicians come. We need the Holy Spirit to lead us, to guide us. I'll never forget one specific time. Tyler. Tyler was our mischievous kid. Yeah, I mean, Tyler, Tyler was that kid. He was a little sneaky. So you really needed the spirit of discernment with him. I mean, you really needed that. You needed a lot. And we had certain boundaries. We had certain things that we said you were allowed to. It was about time he started driving. And uh, he couldn't drive alone with somebody else in the car. Uh, because, you know, a lot, of, a lot of accidents happen. Kids messing around, fooling around in the car, and they're messing with the radio and things like that. That was just our parenting style. And now he had to call and get permission if he was going to do something out of those boundaries. And, and he thought, he rationalized, well, you know what? My friend missed the bus, and, and, and my friend needed to ride home, and, and oh, my daddy wouldn't mind. But guess what he didn't do? He didn't call and ask. <laughs> Guess where daddy just happened to go by as he is driving. <laughs> and I saw two people in that car when there's only supposed to be one person in that car. Listen, God will lead you to the right place at the right moment. He'll lead you and cause your path to cross. You say, well, that was just coincidence. No, it wasn't. God was helping me parent my children. We need the Holy Spirit to lead us and to guide us. Unless you think I'm crazy, unless you think I'm taking scripture out of context, Acts chapter 8, it says, As for Philip, verse 26, an angel of the Lord said to him, Go south down the desert road, and there's going to be a man there. He's leaving Jerusalem. He's headed back home. He went to Jerusalem to worship. Verse 29, Then the Holy Spirit said to Philip, Go over and walk along beside the carriage. Philip ran over and heard the man reading. I read this passage to you because I want you to see the Spirit's activity to direct Philip to go a certain path down a certain road to meet a certain individual and then to go alongside that individual and overhear a conversation. Why? Because God was about to do something. 
God was setting the eunuch up for an experience with Christ. It's what I call a divine setup. And church, we need some divine setups in our families. We need some divine setups in our relationship. We need some divine setups in our walk with God. What I'm here to tell you is the person of the Holy Spirit whose job and work is to magnify Jesus, the work of Christ, whose job and work is to bring conviction, to, to, to bring righteousness and point towards Christ, is the Holy Spirit who will work and move in your life and challenge your motives, challenge what you say, challenge what you're doing, how you're treating one another, challenge the activity. We need conviction. Listen, we've made church so easy these days that we've missed what conviction is. Conviction is not a bad thing. Conviction is the work of the Holy Spirit. Convicting is not condemnation. Convicting is, I want to change your behavior because there's a better path for you. There's a better blessing awaiting you. And the only way you can get to that better blessing is you've got to repent a little bit. You've got to change some behavior. You've got to change the way of doing some things so the Holy Spirit is going to convict you. And when He convicts you of you'll say yes I repent God will begin to work and move in your life and the blessings will flow see the activity of the Holy Spirit is to guide you and lead you now church I believe the Holy Spirit wants to give you a refreshing today he wants to fill you overflowing the psalmist David said this my cup runneth over. And how I liken the baptism of the Holy Spirit is this. The cup of your heart, the cup of your spirit is just overflowing, overflowing, running over, running over. Baptize, baptizo, to immerse. You're immersed in the presence and the power of God. You're immersed with the anointing of God. Suddenly, you can do some things you couldn't do before. Suddenly, He's working and moving like He's never. He anoints you with the power, with anointing, first of all, to be, and then to do. But sometimes we want to run to the doing before we stop at the being. The Holy Spirit wants to give you an anointing to be who He's called you to be. Can we stand here together? And church, listen, I know my time has run out, and I'm borrowing from, from your time right now, but I want to ask you, I want to ask you, are you hungry today? Are you thirsty today? Do you desire more? Do you want the power of the Holy Spirit? Do you want to be a supernatural family, but you're raising supernatural kids that know the gifts of God and operate in the gifts? If you want more than what God, than what you've experienced thus far, you want more of the Spirit of God. You want more of the anointing of God. I'm going to ask you, just to step back on where you are, and as a family unit, can we come together up front? Can we begin to seek the presence of God, the power of the Holy Spirit? Can we begin to seek and say, I want more?